It's the Underpowered Hour. On this week's show, Land Rover makes a phone, a crazy defender on Facebook, and we're joined by Land Rover legend Duncan Barber, live from Scotland. And now, without further delay, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Steve Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about our cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or follow us on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm the scuttle vent to Stephen's HEPA filtration. I'm the face full of bees of podcasting, Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. Well, this week in the news, some exciting, exciting new Land Rover products. And it's not the all-electric 80-inch Defender. It's not some kind of super high-end sport-oriented Range Rover. No, it's something that Land Rover is even better at making, and that is a cell phone. I'm excited, for one, to see this offering coming from one of our favorite automobile manufacturers. Yes. I I think it is definitely a place where they can increase market share over their first generation cellular phone, which... I know you carry at least two examples of. That's exactly right. One for uh, work and one for pleasure, just in case. Both carabinered onto my backpack, I guess, or whatever you're... It is the Freelander of phones. It is the Freelander of phones, for sure. Yes, if you have been in the market for, I guess, a slightly more ruggedized generic Android cell phone with a... Now, is it going to have a Land Rover logo on it? That's kind of off-brand. Shouldn't it be a... Defender phone or a Range Rover phone or a Discovery phone? I thought they weren't doing anything Land Rover anymore. I, I think they, they decided that was not a good idea and that they're going to... They've reserved the Land Rover logo exclusively for cell phones. Yeah, they, they lost the trademark briefly to the Defender to Can-Am, I believe. They were yeah, using that's right. Can-Am yeah, so was marketing yeah. a side-by-side with the Defender yeah. name. I'm not yeah. sure exactly what the status of that now is. Hard to say. Hard to say. Hard, Hard to say, to... but yeah, tell us more about this cell phone. What uh, what features would we expect from this? Would this be would this be a waterproof phone? Would you think it, that it is? Would be it is apparently highly rugged and durable in its highly design, according according to this article. And it has Gorilla Glass Five, which I mean, you know, compared to Gorilla Glass Four, obviously one better. It is a five inch screen. So that sounds like it's about the size of the small iPhone, the regular size iPhone, not the not the giant one. I mean, it has a 16 megapixel rear camera, which the newest iPhone has like a 32 megapixel rear camera or something. So not it's not doing amazing things in the camera department. It could do panoramas and HDRs and all of that sort of stuff. But, you know. It has it, it has the capability to have connectivity to GLONASS. And uh, mm-hmm. for those of you that don't know, stands for Globia Nav Sputnik Sistema. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I butchered that really terribly, I'm sure. 
I butchered that really terribly. It's the yeah. it's the Russian GPS. Yeah, the Russian GPS. Yes, you yeah. can get on the Sputnik GPS as well as regular GPS. And yeah, it's got a lot of apps apparently that uh, that are side loaded in there just for navigation stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I guess that's nice. Yeah, you know, and it, it it doesn't look too bad. It is water resistant up to 1.5 meters, which isn't too bad. Pretty and good. apparently, it is drop resistant from falls up to 1.8 meters. It's just a tube of glue that you just glue it to your hand. (laughs) I guess. Does that mean you could drop it from 1.8 meters above a body of water and it could sink into that water 1.5 meters and still be totally fine? Only one way to find out. Let's see. Let's see your phone do that. Right. Only way to find out. Yeah. It doesn't actually say what version of Android it's running, nor would I know. But uh, yeah, you know, if you feel like you need a carabinerable Android cell phone that sort of looks like a Garmin GPS, then mm-hmm. maybe it's for you. I don't know. Apparently, it, it, they claim that it has ample RAM. Ample RAM. Well, that's yeah. good. You don't want not ample RAM. No, no. Yeah. no. And it has a camera. Yes. And it has battery life. Those are features that are bullet pointed in this. It, uh, it is. Release. Yeah, they are. They are bullet pointed. One thing, though, that isn't bullet pointed in this article is how much this will cost. It doesn't seem to lay out that uh, figure. I don't think there's a price point at which it is not a bargain. Right. I think you're right. I think you're right. For for a phone like that, now, from the photo, it's sitting on top of a carabiner. I'm not sure if that's attached to the phone or not. Okay. It is sitting by a carabiner. So Maybe it has a, maybe it has a recovery loop on the back oh. of it. So you can winch it out of a, a small area if you, if you get it in well, somewhere. A small body of water. Yeah. So you can, small, yeah. can winch it out of one point, how many Five, meters? Yeah, 1.5 1. 1. 5 meters, of meters of water. Yeah, that's perfect. It's all yeah. ready to go. It's you're you're over there like converting how deep is my toilet. Yeah, like, <laughs> see, hmm, how far can you flush it down the toilet before it is it's irreparably damaged? Yeah. So, well, get yours very soon at your local Land Rover cell phone yeah. retailer. It's exactly. And speaking of interesting things for sale on the internet, Liza found in her nonstop tireless scouring of Facebook Marketplace for things that are stupid, a Land Rover Defender. Is that where you guys met? <laughs> yeah, that's where we met. Yeah, yeah. I saw somebody with a t-shirt the other day that said, like, you're my favorite thing I found. Well, you're my favorite weird thing I found on the internet. Oh. But yeah, Liza found a Defender pickup, which are quite, quite uh, desirable. Unusual. Yeah, this one is apparently Unusual. a 2007, which is, of course, not legal to import into the United States, but that's, that's not that's not important. Neither here nor there, not material. Not material. And it's also not in the United States. That's right. According it's to this also, advertisement. It's also six wheel drive, six by six. Is that enough wheels that are driven? I don't know. I've yet to see. Is there such thing as a, as an eight by eight? Do they ever put three oh, yeah. on the back? Yeah. Look up. We should talk about that on the show. The S-Cargo. The S-Cargo? Huh. And it's a truck? I believe it's a Land Rover variant. It's okay, like fine. an eight by eight. Yeah, we got to talk about that. It's like a 101 forward control looking thingamadoo. Yeah, it looks a little forward controlly. Ooh, I love things that are forward controlly. I know where favorite. one is. You could Ooh. be the proud owner of one of those. Ooh, might have to pick it up. Well, this particular one is still in France, although. If you look on the map, on the old Google map, it is located right outside of Milwaukee. So, Well, it, it, the ad is definitely in Oak Creek, Milwaukee. But uh, according to the description, the vehicle itself is in France. Yeah. But don't worry. Once you buy it, the owner will import it. No problem. No problem. So yep. just send him $185,000 and he will import this ostensibly illegal 
Defender yeah. 110, which is a 2007, mm-hmm. and uh, you will be able to drive your very own camouflage and black. Are those tiger stripes? It's like tiger stripe. Yeah, it's sort of like a gray with black tiger stripe sort of situation going on. And it it also has like the con body kit looking yes. thing, but only yes. on the back. But so, only on the back. Yeah, the front no. is not. It's like the mullet of uh, Land Rovers here. It's the back you know, 20 feet yeah. is con and the front is not. That's right. Yeah, it, it, it's certainly ripe for a hot tub or something back there. You got to definitely get a jacuzzi in the back. It has, you know, custom made bumpers. It has a custom made sidestep that is looks like it's about two feet off the ground so it hangs down about 45 feet from the side 45 feet they need a rope ladder it's very tall it is very tall and it has without doubt the ugliest wheels i've ever seen in my life they're like from a jeep wrangler that somebody got wheels from the local uh, canadian tire or something like we gotta uh, we gotta put a link up to this thing it's got a light bar so that's important and i have that it has a wiper it looks like they've taken a rear door and and sh- cut it off, and it's shortened to form the the back of the cab. I see that. Yeah, so it's the got cab the extended is like, cab. Yeah. Well, it's it, you could say it's an extended cab, or you could say it's a shortened hardtop. In both Good cases, point. you would probably be correct. Right. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, so it's got a longer cab, but it's it's really made from a shortened hardtop. So from it a still has hardtop. Yeah. yeah, it still has the rear door window. And and if you look yeah. carefully, just under yeah. the roll bar there, you can see. It has the upper door hinge still on the door. It does, but no yeah. lower door hinge. No, so it's it's just it's it's, it's decoration. That, it that is door decoration, hinge. but it does have the wiper, which is interesting. I actually thought for a second that 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 was a handle, and that maybe this was like a was a, like a, a flip up tailgate kind of a thing. Like you could, if you needed extra ventilation, you could just mm-hmm. open up the the tail flap. It has um, a drop down tailgate at the back. It and, does have uh, that. Yeah. It has yeah. a step on the rear bumper, a hitch on the rear bumper, and mm-hmm. what I can only assume is like a four or five, possibly six inch diameter exhaust coming out below yeah. that. And yeah. then below that, attached to the bottom of the exhaust is the license plate, <laughs> which is uh, right, really uh, really amazing. I've never never quite seen anything like that before. <laughs> now, are you familiar with this six-wheel drive setup? It, it, it looks like they're interrupting the drive shaft before it goes into the first rear axle with what almost looks like a you know a portal axle kind of setup that is bolted it's, on and lifts the drive shaft up for the back and then and then goes down to the second drive i th- i believe that foley used to produce such a such a contraption such a for contraption, some yeah. of their six wheel drive now i don't know if this particular unit this particular box is mm-hmm. one of those but i know that they did have what they has sometimes been referred to as an up and over box okay. for yeah. that middle axle and yeah. this particular advertisement says that you can disconnect the front axle but you know for $185,000 it's it's sure got a lot of like interesting parts under here it's got your your rusty exhaust. Yeah, you got a rusty, rusty exhaust. Very you rusty. Your, yeah. your, your kind of rusty trailing arms. Trailing your, arms aren't uh, in great shape. Your dirty, possibly used shock absorbers. Yeah, yeah. Definitely uh, uh, backing plates for those brakes are uh, rusted nearly through. All right. Now, are those drum brakes? I can't quite tell. I don't know. It also, does it look like that? They can't be. The tires are different. No, they're just a different wear. The back tires look slightly more worn than the front tires. Can't imagine why that would yeah, be. Yeah, that would be. But it's yeah. it's pictured in front of a castle, so you know yes. everything is done to it's the legitimate. highest level. It's to castle standards. Comes, and there's also a corgi parked right in front of it. That seems, if you look at the very first picture, there's a little corgi parked uh, right in front oh, of it. Yeah, looking at the does camera. Does it come with a corgi? Well, if it doesn't, I'm not interested anymore. 
up to oh. this point, I was sold. But pointing oh, that out, did now, you did you see the decal, the visor decal on the front windshield? Oh, the Defender? No, oh, reading no. more closely, it <laughs> says Dead Fender. Dead Fender. I think that's a prescient decal. I think that is... <laughs> that's, yeah, it will arrive in pre- that condition. That is predictive of what may happen yeah. if you own this vehicle. If you own this car, yeah. Yeah, yeah it looks good. So I don't think it, it's able to go around corners, but uh, it is It is here and it is pictured in front of a castle. Although if even you the like looks a little vehicle. dilapidated if What's you look that? at it. The castle looks a little dilapidated. I mean, it's old. What do you want? Well, no, I'm just saying like the bushes and the lawn and stuff. It's not really being kept up, is it? I mean, it's kind of like the car, if it let's is. be honest. Ooh, what's the drink in the cup holder? There's it's a, an there's orangina. A, it is in France. Oh, oh, I didn't notice the seats. It has yeah. honeycomb, honeycomb red, red stitch. stitched like <laughs> racing seats in the front and the typical Land Rover saggy headliner and yes, uh, yes, headliner stained visor boards. So if, if this sounds good to you, if this illegal corgi included yeah. orangina bespoke <laughs> dead fender yeah. is something that you would like, look on facebook marketplace in wisconsin we'll put that link in the description so you can head on over there and check that out because really it is it's it's worth it now it is worth to to sum up here that he is not accepting any trade-ins on this vehicle that's that's really a shame no so if if danny mcbride were a defender it would be this would be this absolutely absolutely we should give him a call he seems like a nice guy actually he is a nice yeah all right the Defender X Expedition, like it sounds like, is back on. Now, do you remember why? Why did they delay it? I don't remember. Was it was it the pandemic or it was the war in I believe it was the Ukrainian war and they were about to like go through Russia or something and they had to. It's a big part of the trip is going through Russia. I'm not sure exactly how that's happening now, but at any rate, perhaps they're volunteering in some capacity. Who knows? For but for to, for the the military, they're they they've signed up as as Wagner mercenaries. Maybe maybe yeah. they just painted Z's on the side of the car and yeah, and just it was bombed through there. Yeah, good. Yeah. So my understanding is the intention of this trip is is or this expedition is to drive from London to New York. Is that is that right? Yeah, that is what I understand as well. Yes, from London to New York, and not not the short way. For for those listeners who are maybe geographically compromised, there is a large body of water in between. That is true. London and New York. So so how have they how are they, how are they going to get across that? I believe what they're doing is what we would like to refer to as the up and over strategy. So they're going to drive again up and around through Russia, and then I believe the plan is for them to cross the Bering Strait, which as is so many have before them, which is not not in uh, cars, but yeah, yeah, not in cars. No, certainly not. Only in those crabbing boats from the Discovery Channel. But somehow they're going to drive, I guess, across the Bering Strait by. They're just going to wait until the land bridge reopens emerges from the receding oceans and then drive across. No, my understanding is they have pontoons that they're going to like drive the vehicle onto or mount the vehicle to. And then the vehicle itself will be driving a propeller and they basically convert it into a boat. The long standing Land Rover tradition of turning your Land Rover into Into a a boat. boat. Yeah, Yeah. 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 They're, you know, hey, they won't be the first and I'm sure they won't be the last as I plan on taking the forward control for a swim as soon as I get it running again. So you're just going to sink it in the L.A. River. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing the L.A. River is only like nine inches deep. I'll I'll be okay. I mean, 
not always. Yeah, that's true. You get the but, right day. Uh, yeah, right so day. good luck to them. Hopefully, uh, we'll have to reach out to them and see if they're available to come on and have a conversation. I'd love to know how the Bering Strait crossing goes. That's a that's a challenge in a number of places. That's yeah. going to be incredible. Yeah, I'm um, anxious to see how their Land Rover boat uh, works out. They better, hopefully they have a Land Rover cell phone with them, just in case. In case they get into up to 1.5 meters of water and need to use the Russian GPS as well. You know, yep. they'll be right there. So totally to use that Sputnik GPS. Yeah. And speaking, speaking of Russian GPS, this past weekend was the Southern California Rover Club's Rover Rendezvous. Tell us all about it. I wasn't able to go. I was FOMOing the entire time. Tell us all about it. It was great. We had about, I think, about 65 Land Rovers there of many shapes and sizes and colors and things. We had a gentleman who brought his Series 3 up that broke minutes after leaving the parking lot to go out on a trail, but we fixed him up and got him back out there. And then he helped me set up the raffle. So I really appreciate that. It was really nice. That was really awesome. Was the the raffle well attended? I hear it's one of the most spectacular in the Land Rover community. It is. It was a pretty intense raffle. Had about 65 $500 worth of sponsored items, everything from a super winch to a high lift jack provided by your friends at the underpowered hour. JLR friends sent along a nice leather Range Rover bag. Uh, Eric from uh, Atlantic British jokingly sent us a couple of Freelander parking only signs. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I appreciate that. We had the Land Rover Lego set. We had tons of stuff from Rhino USA. We had a lifetime supply of oil filters and cabin filters for for Discovery 3s and 4s from uh, sponsors. So yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. There was some good stuff. And uh, yeah, well attended. Great trails. No one broke so badly that their car is still in Big Bear. Abigail was there taking photos. And so we're going to put some of those up on the Instagram once we uh, get that all processed and stuff. But she went out on a trail and the gentleman that she was driving with, his car overheated and soaked all of his electrics. And so he was disabled. And Mm. so she had to hike up a hill and meet up with another trail and continued on with them. So lots of lots of crazy. So she uh, just bailed there. on that guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He may still be. He might be dead. We don't know. He just oh, left him. I thought you yeah. said. I thought you said they all. There's no well, more except for Noah. Yeah. Day. We don't know. We don't know what happened to Noah. Yeah. But that's no. He was fine. He was fine. He got it back. He got it back together. It was it was great. Actually, Noah has like a really cool discovery buggy unfortunately he didn't he didn't bring it but it has giant swamper tires and stuff it's really fun no roof he just cut the roof straight off of it and it's a it's a really neat it's a really neat car it's really fun fun it sounds sounds fun yep so great event and getting ready for uh, two big events next year rover rendezvous hopefully is moving to a dedicated location it's become so popular so many people that we use a public campground now but we are looking seriously at taking it to a private place next year. So that's very fun. Congratulations to to all involved. Yeah, it's going to be great. So speaking of going to be great, we have the first of our UK interview series. If you're watching our YouTube series on the road with Steve and Liza, you know that this week uh, headed down to see Duncan Barber, Camel Trophy legend. He is also a a general land-rovering legend. He is a overlanding instructor. He is a rescue boat participant. And more importantly, he's a movie making legend as he has been involved in everything from Braveheart to Game of Thrones and uh, everything in between. He is uh, not only an amazingly accomplished, incredible individual with some really, really cool Land Rover 
camera machines, but he's also like the nicest person in the world. And um, and secondarily, but most importantly, willing to talk to you. And willing to talk to me. Yes. Yeah. Which is which is also it's, it's a big that's it's a rare. big give. It's Let's rare. be honest. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> no, we had a great time with him. We uh we had uh, dinner with he and his wife Babs and, and their beautiful little Scottish town. And it was really awesome. He went that's and cool. uh, showed us the lifeboat uh, that he uh, he's a member of the lifeboat team and their old Ford tractor that they used to to drive the boat out to the sea and really, really, really super neat. And of course, we did not just a podcast with Duncan, but we also did a tour of his workshop and all of the the Barber all-terrain tracking vehicles or BATs, the original BAT, which was used on Braveheart and GoldenEye, you know, when the tank drives through that brick wall, Duncan was parked in front of it in a Land Rover, <laughs> ready to scream out of there before it crushed him. It was cool. pretty cool. And then, of course, the Vampire Bat, the full-size Land Rover that was used, that we used for filming Game of Thrones in awesome. St. Field in Northern Ireland. So we talk all about that and uh, super cool. And so this is going to be a good one. Don't just listen to it. Head on over to YouTube. If you haven't already subscribed to uh, our YouTube channel, head on over there because uh, you can watch the first episode and now the second episode of our On the Road series and cool. see what we're up to. See our TDCI car, Duncan's workshop, all that sort of stuff. So, all right, let's dial it up and uh, back in a second. All right, well, I'm here with the legendary Duncan Barber, uh, one of my favorite people, an amazing Land Rover community member, uh, not just a Camel Trophy uh, legend, uh, but also a, a piece of, uh, of filmmaking uh, royalty. We happen to be sitting in uh, the Vampire Bat, one of my favorite Land Rovers uh, out there uh, in the world of sort of special purpose Land Rovers. This particular car is a pretty, pretty amazing uh, thing. And so what better, what better place to be doing uh, the on-location uh, conversation uh, today than literally in the back of the uh, car where we, we shot some of Game of Thrones with this car, but uh, also... Uh, obviously it's worked on tons of incredible stuff. So Duncan, thank you for having us here at the workshop and, uh, and inviting us down and, uh, and chatting today. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Steve. Um, I don't know if I'm that legendary, but, uh, thank you anyway. I'll take all of that. Um, and welcome to, uh, well, it's commonly known as the Batcave, but it's just an old chicken shed. Well, it's quite a great one. And, uh, what an incredible collection of unique vehicles that you uh, that you have in here and uh, and all of that. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. For those uh, few folks that that uh, maybe don't know your uh, history, specifically with Land Rover, what was your sort of draw to Land Rover? What got you started in uh, the Green Oval as it is uh, from the beginning? Oh, gosh. The, well, the, the starting in the Green Oval kind of goes back to when I was 10 years old and my dad uh, took me out to a pig farm that uh, his family had, um, a place called Polton Pig Farm. Mm -hmm. um, and we were in an old series, I think it was a series three long wheelbase. And uh, we went into a, a muddy field that had a bit of a hill on it. Yeah. And he stuck me behind the coat controls and there's the clutch, there's the accelerator, there's the brake, um, have at it. So um, there, was no, there was no skill involved at that time. Um, I just remember barreling around this field with mud going everywhere. Uh, it was very slippery. Um, Dad was showing me two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, high range, low range. And this thing actually had a, had a I'm trying to remember the name of it now, it had an overdrive oh, lever yeah. on yeah. it as well. Yeah, so yeah. you had, you know, four levers down on the gearbox transmission tunnel. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, you know, that was great funny. I mean... I come from a family of petrol heads. My father, who died a few years ago, but he was into re 
rebuilding old vintage motorbikes. Oh, cool. He built two airplanes in his workshop oh, at wow. the house, um, uh, one of which we still fly. It's it's not far from here in a, uh, in a hangar up on a farm called Sheriff Hall. Oh, wow. And after Dad died, we gave the um, a friend of mine actually had done a lot flying with Dad, especially as Dad progressed into his Alzheimer's. Gordon mm-hmm. would still take him up. Um, and amazingly, Dad was able to fly when he was up there. Didn't understand any of the controls, but right. he could—he knew roughly where he was, and he'd fly yeah. straight and level. Yeah. Um, uh, so we gave Gordon a half share in the plane, so we've still got access to that. Um, but yeah, I come from a family of petrolheads. Dad's uncle was the first person to drive a vehicle up Ben Nevis. Okay. That was a 1910 in a Model T Ford. Wow! And then he did it about 10 years later in a Model A Ford. Yeah. Um, and actually, that's probably it's probably one of the first um, proper kind of vehicle PR stunts that right. was ever done in the yeah. motor trade. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, uncle Harry's father basically said to my, my great uncle mm-hmm. said um son we need to do something to promote this vehicle i want you to drive it up ben nevis <laughs> just <laughs> like that well there you go there, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so it's the only man to have done it twice wow wow and even in today with today's vehicles you know a modern land rover or whatever yeah that would be a major still a major still drive. a major yeah, yeah still absolutely. a major drive it would wow. challenge challenge me in a in a modern four-wheel drive with all the all the bells and whistles right Right, so. not a not a Model A or Model T Ford. Uh, right. yeah. Well, yeah, solid wheels and no suspension. No suspension. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the, the yeah. rumor had it he reversed up sections because yeah. reversed up and down because reverse was a lower gear than first. Uh, um, uh, they wrapped rope around the 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 rear wheels on the axle to give yeah. them a bit more grip. They were dynamiting. Um, they were dynamiting peat hags to get through them. Uh, they actually made bridging ladders. They yeah, made some okay. bridging ladders yep. to bridge some of the stuff. Proto Maxi, maybe attribute the Max Tracks to. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe a very yes. early Max Track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, uh, yeah, they were doing all the kind of stuff we still do oh, wow. today. Apart, from, you know, obviously dynamiting. It's not, it's not so much dynamiting now. Not very yeah. tread lightly. But, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you can't really get away with that anymore. No. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. Well, that is, that's incredibly cool. And so what was your first Land Rover? What was the one that you, the first uh, yeah. one you owned? Yeah, well, the, the first the first one I owned actually was the one behind you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got that one in 19, when did I get that? No, oh, I actually bought that when I was on Camel Trophy. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So up until, up until I got that, I'd kind of always had an access to a Land Rover you know, through my dad's company yeah. or whatever. And then when I was on, Camel Trophy, I, I had a company car and then I just decided I wanted a four. I had a fast 209 GTI yeah. Peugeot. Yeah. And then, I, you know, I was doing so much four wheel driving, I wanted a fast Land Rover. Proper so, Land Rover, yeah. Proper Land yeah, Rover. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I got that 90, which was uh, a 3.5 V8. Okay, and yeah. then I got one of the Camel guys who we worked with, a guy called Paul Ridgway, mm-hmm. who was an ex rally mechanic for Michel Mouton and mm-hmm. Ari Vatanen and people oh, like cool. that. Yeah, um, he built some of the original Australian Safari Rally cars, which when, when he was with Roots, yeah, um, which was for a, another Scotsman, Andrew Cowan, oh, built cool. his yep. cars, um, and I got Paul to modify that to make it a bit quicker, right? And um, that was kind of the first, the first generation of 
that one because it went through a couple more when I started filming right. with it. So. And does it still have a, a Land Rover V8 in it? It's still it? got Land Rover oh, wow. V8 in it. It's actually got a, a John Eels engine. So yeah. back. John Eels has a, a built-in engine for our car as well, for has our he? rally car. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, we have one of John's uh, engines uh, in our car as well. Okay, yeah. so yeah, that's yeah. got one of John's very old engines. Oh, cool. Um, so we went from 3.5 to 4.2. Yep. Uh, so we bored and stroked that before yeah. two. We put electronic ignition on it. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, that engine's still in there. Wow. So, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. We, uh, after the girls uh, finished with the, uh, the Rebel last year, we uh, slipped a sleeve in the uh, right. engine okay. of that yeah, car. So it was time common... for a, yeah, it was time for a, a totally, uh, yeah. a totally redone engine. We figured if we're going to do it, might as well do it proper. Yeah. And so got, uh, got a block and, and top end from John and it's uh yeah, yeah he made he builds a good significant, engine. Yeah, significant difference yeah. from the yeah. factory motors. So, very oh, much. that's very cool. And in fact, he built an engine for this one. When yeah. I started building this, he built an engine for this. Yeah. And then there was a whole load of things kind of happened. I eventually got this built by someone else, and they they said, "Listen, you know, for the weight you're going to be carrying, etc., you need something that's got way way more torque right. down low." Right. Um, which is why we ended up with an LS one let engine in this. Right. Um, because this was originally would have come with a, a TD5 engine in there? Or no, 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 no. This is old. Oh, very old. Very, so, yeah, so originally it's 300 TDI or 200 TDI. Or no, old than oh, that. Even older than that. Yeah, I oh mean, my if you God. look at the reg. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, there's a story behind it. Right, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, one. Right, yeah. right, right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize but, that. Yeah. Yeah, so I, this one was built from the chassis up, in fact. Right, right. So this is purpose-built to purpose be. Purpose-built for filming, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was never built for anything, anything else, really. So... Um, wow, that's very cool. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Camel Trophy because I think you can't. Uh, before we get to the movie stuff, <laughs> there's all the Camels trophies. There's a yeah. whole which would have been an, a, a legendary uh, a career in itself. Forget about the movie stuff, but uh, Bob Ives has never moved on to the movie stuff. You know, so this. Uh, but, well, uh, well, Bob Bob's done it. Does he yeah, does. he, he does. And in fact, he did a lot of precision driving for yeah. me on this this vehicle. Oh, that's, oh I didn't um, know that. Yes, oh, is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because Bob and I have been working yeah, together for a very since, long time. Yeah. yeah, for a very long time. Yeah. And uh, when I wasn't able to cover a job because I might have been away on an expedition trip or whatever, uh, Bob would, and, and if Bob wasn't working for me on that, uh, then he would cover the tracking on, on that vehicle. And he's also uh, done it on this one as well. Oh, so, cool. Oh, okay. And then well, he kind of moved back. across to a bit more. There's TV nothing stuff. Bob Ives can't do. Then I, I take it back. <laughs> yes. he's, a, he's a renaissance man. <laughs> the most interesting man in the world, that guy. Yeah, well, so first of all, how did you hear about Camel Trophy? And then what brought you into actually participating? Participating. In it? I opened up a four-wheel drive magazine, and there yeah. was the full-page spread about Camel Trophy. Right. With a little application form at the bottom uh, of it. Yeah, and I looked yeah. at that and thought, oh, that looks interesting. Yeah. And what year and was that, approximately? That was 1985. Oh, wow. Okay. I saw that Very, advert. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I saw the advert sent away. He was lucky enough to get chosen for the last, I can't remember, I think there was about 40 people in the first in the in the next cut that they yeah, did, yeah. Um, so I was chosen to that for that, and uh, funnily enough, a friend of mine who, well, he owns a farm just on the which marches with this one. His wife had seen the advert and sent an application form away for him, and hadn't even asked Ronnie if he was interested in doing <laughs> it. Um, and he was selected as well. Oh wow! Um, cool. So we were we were in the pub one night, and I went, yeah. oh, I'm going to be heading off down to Risby um, a few weeks for Camel Trove, and Ronnie said, so am I. <laughs> So we merely ah. headed off together for that, for That's the selection, cool. yeah. and both ended up getting down to the last six oh, wow. for the Australian event. Yeah, 
um, neither of us made it. Mm -hmm. um, I applied for the 87, 87 event and made it to the last six again, mm -hmm. um, but didn't make it into the final two. Mm -hmm. um, and then I applied for the Sulawesi event and mm -hmm. the same thing happened. And it was kind of at that point I decided well, three times, you know, maybe it's time now to step back and let someone else have a chance. Yeah. Because you know, I, yeah. I, I thought, well, if I apply again, I'll probably get down to selection. Right. But... I haven't made it in by now, so I kind of felt, well, right. that was it. Yeah. Um, later on, actually, when I ended up working for Camel, yeah, I was able to quiz people a bit more because you know yeah. it always kind of came yeah, up. Yeah, we'll pick. Yeah, like yeah. why? Yeah, and, why not? Um, yeah. And it turned out that when we did the first one, it looked like Ronnie and I were a really strong team. I'm growing up together. Yeah, yeah, right. We've been yeah, rallying yeah. together, and um, we looked like a really strong team. They said the PR folk were never going to let two Scotsmen rep Camel. Uh, yes. So I was just unlucky, and ultimately, actually, I ended up on working on Camel Trophy itself. Yeah. Was for the Sulawesi event, myself and Ian Chapman, who went yeah. on to manage Camel That's Trophy right. for many years, yeah. also looked like a really strong team. Right. We yeah. got on really well yeah. together, but again, it came back to that same thing about... Um, yeah. Um, a pair of Scotsmen, pair of Scotsmen. Uh, yeah, right, 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 right. Uh, but when Ian en en ended up working on the event, he he gave me a call and said, uh, you know, they were looking for someone to support him, um, and he reckoned, well, you know, it would work well with me. I was actually working out in South America at the time, um, driving a truck around um, uh, basically ten countries of South America, so kind of four month expedition trips with uh, on an old Bedford truck. So I was doing that and he the first time he phoned me was actually to ask if I could give a hand to help the logistics of getting the vehicles into Manaus okay, yeah. for the start of the eighty nine event. Yeah. But I couldn't because of uh, because of the responsibilities I had. But I did say to him, I said, if you need me for anything else, Ian, no, for Camel Trophy, I'm definitely right. around. Right. And as I got towards the end of, of that trip actually heading further north, the he, he got in touch with my parents who then got in touch with me and said, you know, we've got a job opening. Um, can Duncan make it across for an interview? Yeah, come over and do a camel trophy. So it was very yeah. quick to hand my notice in. Yeah, and right. The next thing I'm on a plane <laughs> and straight into uh, the centre of London to R.J. Reynolds yeah. Tobacco yeah. Uh, headquarters or their headquarters in, in Europe. Yeah. Um, and went straight into an interview. Tossed wow. my backpack away. I was still dressed all the gear that I'd been traveling around South America. Well, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I, I would. I would imagine they'd expect nothing less. Yeah, exactly. That's and they know they've got the right guy. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's so, very cool. So, what Camel Trophy <laughs> events then uh, were you involved in, and then how did that sort of you know uh, develop into more of a relationship? I guess with the UK team and the sort of the whole. The whole yeah. Piece? And so over the years, I was with Camel, which was basically eighty nine to ninety four. I yeah. did the uh, the Russian event, which yeah. was you know, incredible to be involved in something that no one had ever done before. It was the first international motorsport right. event in the Soviet Union. That's right, yeah. That event, we hit right at the cusp of that whole perestroika and glasnost thing that was going on. Yeah. So the shops were still empty of food. There was food queues, clothes queues. Um, it was amazing what you could buy for a packet of cigarettes out there right. or a pair of Levi jeans. Right. The organization of the event, because, you know, it was just Ian and myself yeah. and a German logistics company who were who were organizing all that yeah. element. You know, the meetings that we had out in Irkutsk, uh, Bratsk and Moscow were, you know, you could 
write a book about <laughs> all of that and just in itself, you know, I'm the sure, negotiations yeah. Yeah, that yeah, were going right. on. Right. You know, we managed to charter two Russian military Antonov 124s. Yep. Never been done outside of Russia. That right. never happened. Right. There'd never been international press gone in to cover an event in Russia before. There'd never been that amount of, of British registered vehicles landing on Russian soil. And soil, right. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. There'd never been a Russian aircraft, Russian military aircraft land in the UK. And we actually, I think they, they arrived on, I think it was Armistice Day or it was some, you know, kind of war day. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember right. what it yeah, was yeah. at Farnborough Airport. Oh, geez. And uh, the aircraft landed but on the minute when they were supposed to. I remember standing there watching, you know, watching for them to arrive. And these two yeah. big lumbering aircraft yeah. suddenly appeared. They brought, you know, it was all senior pilots of the Russian military who mm -hmm. were piloting it. They brought their own brass band with them. Was, <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was just incredible, really. Wow. You know? wow. Um, wow. And I remember during the negotiations, they wanted millions of dollars for, right. for the chart of these aircraft. And yeah. I think we eventually knocked them down to 200,000 or something. <laughs> Chartered two aircraft right, right. for two separate trips there and, and several back. packages of cigarettes and pairs of Levi's. But, I, but yeah. Well, that, yeah, yeah, I mean, a container full, <laughs> yeah, right, a container yes. full of, of that sort of stuff. <laughs> right, of course. Yes. Which, uh, in fact, we took two containers out yeah. and they both sat on the, they were lifted up, taken in, dropped onto the rear ramp. Right. Rear ramp came up along yeah. with, you know, 25, 20, in fact, maybe nearly 30 vehicles wow. in the two aircraft. So, That's amazing. you know, that in itself was, was incredible. incredible. Yeah, incredible. That is, a, that is really, really remarkable. And it, it you know, it, it goes, I think, to the spirit sort of of, Camel Trophy being this totally unique moment in time where something like that was possible. You know, obviously yeah. now today, not just that because of Russia and everything else, but, you know, just the the whole piece, you know, it was mm -hmm. like you say, RJ Reynolds sponsored by a cigarette company going to all these uh, countries where for those those, you know, decades, couple of decades, there was this sort of not everywhere, but there was a lot yeah. less unrest than there is now. Oh, yeah. And you could yeah. go in and do these things. And it's sort of what an incredible sort of moment in time uh, to, to sort of see that. That's yeah. That's I incredible. mean, it, it will, I don't think that sort of thing will really be seen again. Yeah. I mean, number one, you, you couldn't do a camel trophy in the way it was done before the health and safety side, yeah. you know, apart from anything else wouldn't let you do right, it. Right. You wouldn't right. get those iconic images of guys, you know, on the side of vehicles, holding them down from going right. over, whether yeah. they needed to or not. Right. Very yeah, often, right. as soon as a camera appeared, you'd see, you'd see, you got to get that <laughs> door open and hang on to it in case this thing falls over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you couldn't get those images. Right. And those were images that kind of made it. Right. And yeah, then, absolutely. And then there's a tread lightly thing. I mean, yeah. majority of the time we were on existing tracks and trails anyway. You know, most of those places you couldn't have traversed through them. No, right. Yeah. Um, I suppose Africa was a wee bit different in that we lost our route part of the way through just right. finding what was navigated along before was completely different when we came back and it was just covered in elephant grass. So, you know, um, who knows, who right, knows yeah. where it was. Yeah. But, you know, that kind of terrain turns back to what it was before you've got elephants going through there we were yeah. terrain modifiers and environment modifiers anyway and yeah. probably caused more damage than we did sure yeah um, yeah i mean now you would you you couldn't be going off piste whereas before we had a bit more leeway to yeah. and it was an expedition i right. suppose so right 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 well and it was a different uh yeah i just think a different sensibility too yes. right i think nowadays yeah. you know 
No, the vehicles a sigh. A little bit different when it yes, came to that, definitely. that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, well, that's that's really cool. Hello, fair listeners. As we were editing, we realized that this interview with Duncan Barber is just way too long and chocked full of some absolutely fantastic stuff. So look out for a part two coming in the next few weeks where Duncan and I will talk about using camera cars on shows like Game of Thrones, Braveheart, and more. Duncan was the guy who almost got hit by a tank in one of the 007 movies. So look forward to hearing about that. We also have some bonus content around the Camel Trophy stuff we were talking about that didn't really fit into the episode, but we've made it available exclusively for our group of patrons. So what a better time to join Patreon if you want to head over there and check that stuff out. So look forward to more Duncan in the future. Well, with that, please head on over to the YouTube. Check that out. We know you'll enjoy it. There's a whole bunch of stuff over there, not just the video podcast, but there's also tip-top tool tips. We took Bob Ives out driving around in the snow in Oregon last year. And of course, the On the Road series. More to come there as well. We're working on Freelander videos. We're working on forward control videos. We're working on videos up in the shop with with Ike, where we go through all kinds of things, like an interesting wheel stop when the classic Land Rover wheel stop for winching is a really cool old fold out, what looks like a bear trap. Very nice ground anchor. Ones. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, don't pretty Google cool. that though. Yeah, that's a different thing. Definitely not safe for work. So, but anyways, head on over there and check that out. And again, we'll put links to everything we talked to today in the show notes. If you pop into your iPhone or your computer or wherever you listen to this and then you look at the description down at the bottom there is all of the notes. Somebody asked me the other day, when you say that, what do you mean? Where are those things? And of course, you can always get to all of our episodes on underpoweredhour.com where you can also buy a little like sticker. Yay. Put it on your shovel, you know, put it on your uh, forward control, put it on your uh, remote control. Series three, get your 12 inch Ike and Linus action figures for your scale model uh, <laughs> Land Rover. You know, you put them on the back of your Land Rover cellular yep. telephone. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, Ike. Well, it's been a pleasure as always. We will talk to you next week. All right. It's been great. See you on the trail. The Underpowered Hour is produced by Liza Barris, Ike Goss, and me, Steve Barris. Pavel Svartov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon, and if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook.